0: Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Jude, the last book before the last book? It's a letter. Why don't you stand in honor of the reading of the Holy Word of God? And I'm going to read for us as we begin tonight from Jude verses 1 through 4. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we come tonight and we are so thankful for the fact that You have revealed Yourself to us in Your Word. We are so thankful that in Your Word You give us all that we need for life and godliness coupled with the Holy Spirit within us, God, we are fully equipped to run the race that is set before us. And Lord, tonight we recognize the fact that there are, there are obstacles and oftentimes there is perilous danger along that road, along that race. And we pray, Father, for wisdom according to Your Word as to how to walk and run in light of those obstacles and those perilous dangers. God, give us wisdom and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm probably going to drink from my water many times tonight. My voice is nearly gone, and I apologize. But um, praise the Lord for the opportunity to preach the Word of God tonight. <clears throat> Wolves. I despise wolves. There is no other North American predator that I fear more than wolves. If I were to come face to face with a wolf, I would be scared out of my mind. And I'll tell you why. It would not be because of the wolf in front of me. It would be because I know that there would most likely be those around me and behind me, prowling, sneaking up, ready to pounce on me, for the kill wolves are cunning they are crafty they are highly intelligent they work together in packs systematically surrounding and killing their prey now that would be one thing if a wolf were only to kill what it needed in order to survive but wolves are what they call opportunistic killers they they kill for the sake of killing If something is there to destroy, they will work together to destroy it. Even an animal ten times their size, like an elk. In 1995, uh, 31 wolves were reintroduced to the Yellowstone National Park. And since that time, in 1995, wolves have recolonized some 9,000 square miles. And the wolf population grew, guess what was decimated? The elk population. The elk population, which once boasted tens or a hundred or tens of thousands of elk, now only contains a few thousand. And wolves, once introduced into an ecosystem, will invariably wreak havoc on that ecosystem. There was a reason why wolves were eradicated from the lower 48 states. They're vicious creatures. Well, I am a master conservationist. (laughs) I I understand their place in nature, uh, or in creation, I should say, as a real master conservationist. Um, So, that said though, I would hate to stand in front of a wolf, uh, because they are vicious, vicious creatures. And it is no wonder why Jesus warns His followers of the dangers of wolves in the flock. He describes them in Matthew 7 as wolves... In sheep's clothing. They're disguised to look like one of the flock. They're disguised to to bear the resemblance of all the believers within the church. In fact, the church doesn't even really know that they are in their midst. And yet, they are ravenous wolves seeking to devour, seeking to decimate, seeking to scatter the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to this flock. He writes to them and calls them the name Beloved. And he states in verse 3 that, that he had every intention of writing an encouraging letter. A letter of their common salvation. And yet, there appeared a problem within the flock. So much so that Jude's original intention in writing the letter was was, uh, completely shifted. Instead of writing this encouraging letter of their common salvation, Jude instead writes a letter of warning, a letter of appeal, a letter of exhortation. Read with me one more time Jude 1-4. through Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who were called Beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Then he says, Beloved... Jesus Christ. Because these wolves who have crept into the flock, these men who long ago who were designated for this condemnation, uh, these men who Jude says pervert or turn upside down or twist the grace of God to suit their own evil desires, making God a, 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 some sort of an opportunity for sensuality, some sort of an opportunity for the flesh because these wicked ungodly others, as Jude calls them again and again, were present within the body of the beloved, Jude writes to the church with a central command. He says, contend for the faith once once for all delivered to the saints. Contend for the faith. This is the central command which, which flows throughout this entire letter. There is a danger in your midst. There are those who have crept in unnoticed. There are those who have perverted the grace of God and have denied our only Lord and Master Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jude writes to the church, contend for the faith. This word contend is used elsewhere in the New Testament. It's used, uh, in fact, to refer to athletes contending, competing for a prize, running a race in such a way as to win the race. It's an active verb. Jude is calling for the church to do more than to resist passively the wolves. Instead, he calls them to contend for the faith. It's a positive command. And in the next 12 verses of Jude, he works through what I would refer to as a bit of a wolf identification guide. It's uh, one of the longest and most illustrative sequences of verses on these wolves who have crept into the church in the New Testament. Jude continually points backwards. He points backwards to uh, uh stories within the Old Testament and he makes connections with the present-day threat within the within the church. Let's read verses 5 through 13. Now, I want to remind you Although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, He is kept in eternal change under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. And they perished in the in Korah's rebellion. These are blemishes on your love feasts as they feast with you without fear, looking after themselves. Waterless clouds. Swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. These men are like those that came through the Red Sea. They were in every way having the appearance of being in the right position. They were children of Abraham. They were circumcised. They were rescued by the mighty act of God. They walked through the Red Sea, and yet their hearts, the Old Testament and the New Testament says, were uncircumcised. They turned their backs on Almighty God and rejected Him in the desert and thus fell in the desert. These men are like those angels who once enjoyed a heavenly position and yet because of their own lusts uh, forsook that position, um, choosing instead an earthly existence. These, these these wolves are like those from Sodom and Gomorrah led by their own passions. Perverting what God had created for good into an opportunity to, to chase after strange flesh. These wolves are like Cain who mastered not his sin and in an act of murder declared to know more than God Himself. They're like Balaam who for his love of money forsook his role and his position as a prophet of God for Israel and instead used it against Israel. They're like those sons of Korah who rebelled, if you will remember, against God's appointed leaders, Moses and Aaron, and declared themselves to be in a position of authority. In the same ways, these men who have crept into the church unnoticed, have perverted, twisted, turned upside down the grace of God into sensuality, And they deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Jude's point here is clear. Jude's point is there have been men that have fallen in the same footsteps, that have underwent the same exact kinds of sins. And what was the result of every one of those sins? Judgment. Judgment from whom? Judgment from God Almighty. Just as Israel fell in the desert, just as the angels await judgment and chained in gloomy darkness, just like Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by fire, just like Cain was cursed to wander this earth, just like Balaam was slain by the sword in judgment, and just like the earth swallowed up Korah and all his households, so the judgment of Almighty God awaits those who reject Christ as Lord and turn His grace into perverted sensuality. Jude says, rest assured, beloved, The Lord will avenge. The Lord will judge. Listen to verses 14 through 16. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment. On all, and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Now, before we dismiss Jude's Appeal and warning, as archaic and obsolete. Uh, we should note that today, among those that identify themselves as the beloved, there are those that have claimed the name of Christ. There are those who have claimed to uh, to show their belief in Christ in the waters of baptism. There are those, though, that twist and pervert the grace of Christ, turning it into an opportunity for the flesh. They would say things like like what Paul addressed in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Can we keep on sinning so that grace may abound all the more? And Paul says, by no means. Absolutely not. But these who pervert the grace of God would say, well, look at the grace that we know in Christ. (laughs) Let's just make it all the more amazing with our lavish, selfish, sinful lifestyles. Uh, We are not made to change. We are who we are, and God's grace covers us regardless. There are those that would say things like, well, homosexuality isn't a sin. After all, God made me this way. God wants me to be happy, and I'm most happy being who He made me to be. There are those who would refuse to call sin, sin, and instead instruct you to live your best life now, pursuing everything that you deem your best life to be right now. Brothers and sisters, Jude's warning is in no way obsolete. It's no way archaic. There will be wolves within the flock as long as there are sheep to devour. Therefore, beloved, Jude writes, contend the faith once for all delivered to the saints it's quite a command contend contend for the faith what does it mean how are we to contend for the faith and does contending for the faith include contending against wolves well if Jude stopped his letter in verse 16 where we have read to thus far, what would your response be? He writes, contend for the faith. There, there are dangers among you. There have been wolves who have crept in and they have perverted the grace of God. Watch out lest they devour you with the same kind of perverted thinking and teaching. Well, I will tell you what my response would be. My response would be the same response any right-minded rancher or farmer would have if a, a wolf pack was, was uh, threatening the life of his flock or his livestock? What would that be? It'd come at the end of a, the, uh, of a barrel of 30odd 6 Nice scope to reach way out there. Uh, that would be my response. Eliminate the threat! Identify the wolves and eliminate them. Remove them from the flock. I'm going, to tend, I'm going to contend with these wolves. There was a, I've never seen a wolf in real life. I've seen many coyotes and things like that. And one time I actually came face to face with a coyote. I was only 10 years old. And this is a true story. You know, Baptist preachers are kind of notorious for uh, stretching the truth a little bit, especially about baseball statistics and things like that. Uh, but uh, this is a true one. We were, I was spending the night at my cousin's house. He is, his dad was a farmer. You see, and he had livestock. And he's always having problems with coyotes. Well, So uh, my cousin had a great big mature uh, German shepherd, beautiful dog. And we were, you know, playing on our original Nintendo one night. And, and all of a sudden, Sadie, the dog, just started going berserk outside and was running all around the the farmyard, the barnyard. And we were like, what's going on? So we look out, and she is chasing all around this barnyard a coyote and cornering it and just going at it with this, this coyote. So what did we do? I don't even know where his parents were, to be honest with you, but we grabbed a gun. <laughs> and we headed out the door, and I had a flashlight, and he had a 22, you know. And, uh, we were going, and, you know, every time that thing would get to the point where he was ready to shoot it, he was like, I just can't take the shot. Don't want to hit the dog, you know, and don't want to hit the house or whatever. So we chased this coyote all over the place. Eventually, this coyote ran into the guy's garage. What in the world? And, uh, Buried himself in a corner under a bunch of lumber. And so we put the, uh, the gun down, and we got baseball bats. And we took care, and we took dominion over that coyote. And if you feel bad about that, I'm sorry that you feel bad about that. Um, but, that's what we did. That's our natural inclination to take care of the threat. To remove the threat. Our immediate response is to identify and remove the threat. And yet, Jude's instruction to the Beloved on how to contend for the faith speaks nothing of going on a witch hunt. Within, Todd read it earlier from Matthew, within the field there are both wheat and there are tares. Jesus' instruction was to leave the tares lest you uproot the wheat in an attempt to remove the tares. The tares will be thrown into the fire. When will that be and by whom? at the judgment and by the Lord. Instead, Jude gives us a positive command. He tells us to contend not against the wolves, he tells us to contend what? For the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. And he and he gives this positive command to the beloved, commands that encompass what it means to contend for the faith in the following few verses. The first of these these three ways that Judas uh, Jude has told us how to contend, is found in verse 17, and it is simply to remember. To remember. But Look at verse 17 through 19. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of, Of the Spirit. The Word of God is full of calls to remembrance, uh, calls to remember the truths of God. Now, why do you suppose that is? Pretty silly question. Because we're forgetful. (laughs) (laughs) All <laughs> right. We need reminders. We need reminders of the truths of Almighty God. God calls us to remember because we are prone to forget. And when he calls us to remember, it's important to remember this. He's commanding much more than just calling to mind, okay? Uh, remembering his truth produces an active living faith. These remembrances yield a like a life fleshed out according to the truths that are recalled. Jude says, remember. Remember, remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, these apostles have already warned you that there would be wolves. These cause divisions because they preach a message contrary to the gospel that you received. It's not a congruent truth. There is division. There is friction. The command to remember then is important because with the apostles' warnings fresh on our minds, we can be on guard. We can, we can have predetermined precisely what must be done when these wolves in sheep's clothing remove that mask. Because of the call to remember, we are free to respond rightly. And don't be surprised, you would say, don't be surprised when unbelievers call them, who call themselves believers act like the unbelievers that they are. Okay? Don't be surprised when unbelievers who call themselves believers act like the unbelievers that they are. Be forewarned. Be ready then to fulfill the second command that he gives on how to contend for the faith. It's found in verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life now there is only one central command here in verses twenty one and twenty two or twenty and twenty one uh, It looks as if there are three because of the way the ESV has translated this, but in the Greek, Jude is given three uh, participle phrases ending in ing and one imperative, one real command. And this one command is described and developed by these three participles that surround it. And the command is this, keep yourselves, verse 21, in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That command is described by the instruction to Building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit is how it should be translated, and then waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, we selfishly, what I, what I want us just to see first and foremost is the reality of this command is not in any way merely an individual command. We kind of selfishly read these commands and we think about them only in the context of our own personal responsibility. Well, how do I contend for the faith? First of all, he's instructed the church to be contending for the faith. And then he says how, and it's to keep yourselves in the love of God. We read this text and we think, oh, keep myself in the love of God. That would be my responsibility. Remember, this is a congregational effort. This is a congregational command. We are called together to keep ourselves in the love of God. One of the greatest protections against wolves is for the entire flock to be found in the loving care of the Good Shepherd. Jude says, draw near to Him. Keep yourselves in His love, remain there, abide in Him. the The participles, though, that surround this command to keep yourselves in the love of God, describe how exactly that is accomplished. All of these, like the central command here, "keep yourselves in the love of God," are plural. They are all things we do together, knowing that together we are called to contend for the faith. We are building ourselves. Building. Let's look at it. Verse twenty. Verse 20, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. I want you to think with me tonight how that's accomplished. Since it's plural, it's not just something that you do on a personal level, even though I don't want to disparage those kinds of efforts. I don't want to disparage you to to spend time alone with the Lord, uh, reading the Word and praying. Uh, I want you to think, though, specifically tonight, how we as a congregation fulfill this command to keep ourselves in the love of God. One of the ways we do this is by building ourselves up in the most holy faith. What are some ways that we work at doing this? Well, throughout the Scripture, the truth of Almighty God is always central uh, to fulfilling this kind of a command. And it is no accident that we spend the most time in our worship services, where? Around the Word of God. Hearing from God through the the preaching of His Word. Uh, uh, The truth of God is one way that we use, that we are established in the faith, to build it, build up, built up in the faith. And as the truth of God is learned, and as the truth of God is received, the church is then what? Edified. Built up. It's built up. Uh, one other, another way that we do this is through singing together. Not only do we rightly respond to the Lord through the, uh, because of the gospel in worship, we, we also sing to one another. Right? Ephesians and Colossians both say that we sing to, get, to sing to one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Why? Because it edifies us. We need that reminder. It's a, it's a, it's a building up activity uh, in the life of the church as we declare the mercies of the Lord in song. It does that in a unique way. Uh, We we build ourselves up with with all kinds of reminders of the gospel, don't we? We get the 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 awesome awesome response, the awesome privilege of seeing the baptistry filled time and time again, and being reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves sinners. We get to taste and to see that the Lord is good by taking the bread and drinking the cup, and uh, being reminded of the gospel by taking the Lord's supper. All kinds of ways as we live out and flesh out the Gospel community, uh, we are w- at work building into each other the Most Holy Faith. Uh, we build ourselves up as we reflect on, as we respond to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You see the motto out there, for the supremacy of Christ in all things, it's more than a motto, it's a way of life that when fulfilled within the church, the church is then built up in the Most Holy Faith. It's a focus on Christ. We are also called to keep ourselves in the love of God by praying in the Holy Spirit. Be reminded tonight of the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. John 16.13 says that the Spirit guides us in truth. Luke 12.12 says that the Spirit gives us words to speak when we don't really know what to say. John 14.26 tells us that the Spirit within us reminds us of the teachings of Christ. And Romans 8.26 says that the Spirit groans on our behalf when we don't know how to pray. Let me read that. Romans 8.26, if you want to turn there with me, feel free. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Keeping ourselves in the love of God is a spiritual exercise, it takes effort, it takes work. But it is one thing that we do is we pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray according to His leading. And when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit Himself groans on our behalf and intercedes before the throne for us. Finally, another way that we keep ourselves in the love of God is that we are always looking ahead. I love what verse 21 says Keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. We we are instructed to keep our eyes on the prize. We fix our eyes on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We know that judgment awaits the wolves. But for those who are called, for those who are verse 1 says or verse 1 says uh, kept for Jesus, for those Jesus awaits to grant mercy. To find eternal life to those who believe. Jude says, remember. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And finally, the last way that he gives the church, the beloved, to contend for the faith is that he instructs us to show mercy. Let's look at verses 22 and 23. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. As the church has received mercy, as we have been built up because of the mercy of Christ, one of the things that we are called to do then is to show mercy, to to be channels of that mercy. We have received it. We can't let it stop here. We are then called to give it out. And to give it out on those who need it. What a remarkable contrast compared to our original inclination as to what to do with these that that have infiltrated the church. The original response was uh, excommunication. Removal. Jude says, church, you've been shown mercy. Work to show that same kind of mercy. Now, I'm not advocating that you never... Make those kinds of judgments, and you never exercise uh, church discipline. Christ in Matthew chapter 18 has given us a wonderful uh, system by which we go to a brother with one or two witnesses and we plead for repentance and if he doesn't you're going back with one or two witnesses ple- with more witnesses and you're pleading for repentance and if he doesn't repent you're taking that matter before the church and if he doesn't then then Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that you turn that man over to Satan the Lord has given us these these uh, these elements within the church uh, to, to take care of some of these wolf problems okay but Jude's main concern here is how we are to contend for the faith and one of the ways that we are called to contend for the faith is after having focused on the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ we are to give the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ away we are to do that with those who need it look at verse 22 have mercy on those who doubt doubt comes uh, because some of the church have been listening to the tickling ear tickling words of the wolves okay Uh, Jude says hey show mercy to them show mercy to them some are um, some are nearing the precipice of judgment. <laughs> some are standing on the edge of a cliff ready to jump into or fall into eternal fire. Look at verse 22 again. And have mercy on those who doubt. 23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. They are so near to experiencing what what uh, he has already spoken of with Israel and angels and Sodom and Gomorrah and Cain and Balaam and Korah, they are nearing that point of no return. They're nearing the point of judgment. And, 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 and Jude's instruction to the church is, show mercy to them. In fact, go so far as to snatch them away from the path that they are currently on. Show mercy and he does so with a warning look at the end of verse 22 to others show mercy with fear hating even the garments stained by the flesh i love this jude knows that we're weak right he knows that in the midst of seeking to show mercy there may be a possibility for us to be tempted to start to listen to those False truths of these wolves who had infiltrated the church. There may be a danger that we ourselves would would begin to pervert the grace of God into an opportunity for sensuality. And so Jude says this: Show mercy with fear. Recognize your own weakness, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Have a healthy disdain for the things of uh, the, the sinful ways of these these infiltrated uh, wolves within the church. Do so with care, but have mercy. Have mercy. <clears throat> so these three things. Remember, keep yourselves in the love of God and show mercy. Remember, the, the apostles have already told us that this is going to happen. Okay, We shouldn't be surprised. It's here now. So we have that in mind. And in order to combat this, instead of attacking wolves... Guess how good sheep are at attacking wolves? Not very good. They're they're powerless against the wolf. Uh, Instead of attacking the wolf, here's what we need to do as a flock. We need to focus on the Gospel. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God. We need to draw near to the Good Shepherd and remain under His loving care. He guides, He leads, He protects, right? Read Psalm twenty-one or 23. Uh, we keep ourselves in the love of God. We do so by building, uh, building each other up in the most holy faith. We do so by praying in the Holy Spirit. We do so by keeping our eyes fixed on Christ. Looking ahead. Mindful of the, of the reward that awaits us. That reward called eternal life. And finally, we being built up in that mercy, show the same kind of mercy. We show it to those who doubt. We show it to those who are standing on the precipice ready to jump into the fire themselves. The greatest weapon, then, against wolves is to embrace the truth of God. The greatest weapon against the threat of wolves is to grow in Christ together. The greatest threat... Two wolves is a community of believers celebrating the Gospel together by living out the Gospel together. The greatest threat to wolves is not pitchfork-wielding church members, but believers who use a most unlikely weapon, the weapon of mercy. When these three commands are fleshed out within a congregation, there is no room for wolves. The wolves themselves are weeded out. They're scattered. The light dispels the darkness. Light is greater than darkness. Light overcomes darkness. And because of that, we're going to have an illustration tonight. Darkness has crept into the church. There are wolves who have crept in unnoticed, They have perverted the grace of Christ into an opportunity for sensuality. And because of that reality within the church, Jude writes to the church to contend for the faith. And one of the ways that we are to contend for the faith is to remember the truths of God. There's supposed to be a light that comes on right now. Cue the light! Uh, we are to remember the truths of Almighty God. We are to remember specifically here the, the, the predictions of the apostles. But in as much as we are edified by the truth of God, as much as we, as we embrace and believe and live out the truth of God, we are strengthened then to contend for the faith. One of the other things that, that Jude writes for us to do is to keep ourselves in the love of God. And one of the ways we do that is through seeing baptisms, right? We see, we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We celebrate singing with, uh, with the choir and as a congregation. And eventually the entire community, right, is starting to, is starting to experience the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ in such a real way that there's no room for wolves. There's no room for those who have a different message than the message of the gospel preached. There's no room. There's too much light. There's too much mercy. And the entire church is at work in this contention, contending for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. Instead of wolves decimating the flock, the flock... Uses the weapons of the gospel to decimate the wolves, as they together contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. I'm going to end tonight. We're not going to have a closing song. We're just going to end, and we're going to end just a, a tad bit earlier than normal. And what I want to do with this time is for us to hang out and to encourage one another. To use this time to to build one another up in our most holy faith. Okay, but let's stand and let's close tonight's official worship service with the doxology found in Jude 24 and 25. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You're dismissed.